0: This is catalog and cocktails presented by data.world.
1: We got to talk more. We got to go to our lightning round. So let's uh, move on to the lightning round, uh, which is presented by data.world. Again, every Wednesday we get to do this. Thanks to data.world. So, all right, I go first question. If you're familiar with Dave McComb's data-centric architecture, do you feel that, that I, that your ideal world aligned with the data centric architect, architecture concept.
2: I think it does. Um, I mean, I, one of the things I've been talking about a lot internally is like, this is, you know, domain driven design and I think it's data first, but my ideal my, I talked about my ideal in terms of like a product framework, but my hyper ideal in terms of a, a worldview is that instead of building out services first and expecting the data to follow, the data is actually what drives the development of the services. The services and the product map to the to the data architecture, not the other way around.
1: Well, you know me, I, I would say it's not data first, it's knowledge first. Everything you've been talking about here exactly. is is about understanding these models, what this stuff means and the people and the context. All right, Tim, your turn.
0: Yeah, sure, so <laughs> next question is, Is the runaway train of the modern data stack moving too fast? There's there's no stopping it now.
2: Well, no. I think that what's going to happen over the next five to 10 years as the modern data stack continues to grow is that people and teams will hit their limit. They will hit their limit in terms of spend, computational spend. The number of transforms happening downstream is going to become insane. Your snowflake bill is going to balloon like crazy. The headcount you're going to need to maintain such a system is going to explode. And the incremental ROI of each data headcount is going to be flat to negative. And teams will hit this. It's not a matter of if it's going to happen, it will happen 100%. And when that happens, there will be a motivation to change the processes fully
1: agree on that. This was a conversation we were having with Muhammad Asar at, at our summit. of like, how do you scale this stuff? You need to have the knowledge layer. The number of questions that we need are going to outgrow so fast. It already has the data teams, period. You yeah. need to have a way to go scale this, scale I, the I, knowledge.
0: A lot of people aren't thinking about this right now, right? They, they 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 look at the past and they say, oh, look at that, like, SQL Informatica hairball. Oh, like, we're never going to do that again. And then over here, maybe they're building the new hairball, right?
1: I got the next one. Will the current hype around metrics layers or semantics
2: layers lead to the right solution you proposed today? Um, I do think metric layers are important. Um, like you said, in the ideal world, it's very light. I think they need to be there. And I think it's possible that it pushes the conversation upstream. Like if people start to do, if you're like, okay, we're, we're building out these dbt models, we're starting to build metrics on top of that. We're using a command line and that's kind of hard. How do we make this easier? Right? How do we make it simpler? I think a lot of these questions are eventually going to lead at Like all roads basically lead back to the knowledge layer. So it will be a great conversation starter. I don't think it will be particularly harmful. Any sort of semantic conversation I think is helpful. Um, but we're just not quite there yet as a community. It will take some time. I love that. All roads lead to the knowledge layer. <laughs> yeah. Tim, take us away.
1: Last one.
0: All right. Fourth question. Last question is, is the analytics engineer the new data architect? Probably. Um, I'm in, I'm in sort of
2: two minds on that. Honestly, I'm, I'm kind of, Um, I wouldn't say I'm, I'm holding my breath or not holding my breath. I, I, I would love to get some more hands-on experience with how it goes. On one hand, you do have like, okay, maybe there should be somebody who is basically like this data designer, data architect role, and they're embedded. And they're thinking about the organization, like all the, the, the organization and management of the schemas for like their particular teams that they work with. But on the other hand is it possible that the con- that you don't need that right is it possible that someone can just say well here's the things that i need and in order to get the things that i need like i'm going to need i'm going to need to add this key somewhere like i need to join on this id i don't need to have another role design that for me i know what i need in order to answer this question i don't know what's going to happen there i think this is still so new that we're just going to have to wait and see for like a couple of years.
1: All right. All uh, I
0: right. love your perspective there.
1: Mesh minute. I got timer. One minute to pontificate a
2: pine rant about the data mesh. Ready, set, go. I think that the data mesh is a really, really interesting idea, but I wish that people would take more of a problems focused approach. And instead of saying, data mesh sounds cool. And it seems like it would, it would, you know, be great. And it would do this, that, or the other saying, what are the top problems? The business that I'm working with has right now, as far as data quality organization and management goes, and how do I solve that problem first? I think it's going to be really, really difficult, um, to generate the right kind of organizational momentum to drive data mesh unilaterally across any, but Across all, but like the most technology savvy, mature companies, um, yeah, I, I think that's my perspective. Start start with the problems first, solve that, and then if Data Mesh works for you, then you can do it.
1: Perfect, We're on time too. Uh, I agree. We always say create a backlog. We got to catalog the questions people have. But yeah, all right.
0: T T T Tim. Take us away with your takeaways. I oh, will take us away with some takeaways, with my takeaways. Um, so <clears throat> we talked today about the modern data stack and how, while it may solve some problems, it creates a lot of problems as well. And perhaps some problems that we've seen in history that have plagued us, that have caused us trouble. Um, and you mentioned, uh, really importantly, that if you're building on top of a swamp, um, that's not a good foundation. Your buildings are going to sink, Right. So you know, we're, you know, there's this this perspective that seems to have led to the formation of the modern data stack. Um, you could probably even you know make the same analogy to the big data stack, which kind of was the predecessor to the the modern data stack, right? Uh, that you know, sort of we've been looking at the fang companies and kind of seeing what they what they've been doing, um, and and saying, oh well, that maybe that's the pattern, maybe that's the right thing to do. Uh, when in reality, you know, they were building out as many services as they could, as fast as they could making as much money as they could. Um, and then kind of data became the afterthought, like how do we come back and now address the data in a way that, you know, how do we, how do we reverse engineer our business concepts from the data versus taking a a business concept first approach? Um, so simply looking to them for guidance is not the right thing here. Um, you also talked about how, um, you know, data consumers and data producers have this gap uh, and you have to be able to bring, you know, bring them together. And one way to do that is uh, this idea of data contracts, right? Um, and and how can we use that as a way to create more of an agreement between them? And you, you talked about, you know, sort of Juan asked, like, where's the knowledge going to live? Where is the... Um, the ownership going to live, you mentioned that the, the knowledge is going to live um, sort of in this knowledge layer, this descriptive layer. And one thing you can look at in the past that sort of a lost art um, is this idea of like the entity relationship diagram as a way to sort of model, hey, here's my business concepts. Here, here's how they hang together. Um, obviously, there's like, you know, graph modeling concepts and things like that, which also can be great with this kind of thing. Um, and then ownership, right? Uh, that the business, the the consumers should really be defining what it is that the data, you know, should be doing for them, um, so that that contract can be estab- established upstream. So, and, uh, so many more notes, but I'll, I'll pass it to you, Juan. Well, what were your big takeaways?
1: So, when we talked about data contracts, also, so an agreement between the engineers, the data producers, the consumers. Right, start thinking about the schemas as an entity. I like how you said this, these events, these are things that are actually happening today within our business. Uh, in reality, we need to have this map of the business. Um, and I think, so we, we talked a lot about the pains about the data, the modern data stack. So what is the alternative around this, right? Your vision, these four parts, that definition surface, the data design, right? What I call this, that's the knowledge. That's actually the, the actual semantic knowledge or the ontology right there uh the the mapping layer right the, where the human sits down and figures out the mappings of the how these things from the source and the target connected this needs to be then implemented right and then fourth you may want to have some other transformations after the case i personally believe it's the main things are those first three that i said the transformations may come afterwards but uh at the result of this is that you're going to have that trusted data this is the shipping data the shipping of orders that the shipping domain owns and they have the responsibility for that now this isn't new as we've talked why didn't this Approach come up before, why did it work before? It's speed. It's been slow, right? We need to make it fast. We need to to iterate it. We need to have to use tools, modern tools like version control, things in the cloud. And if we don't make it easy, people will take the path of least resistance. What I always say is we can't boil the ocean, right? And I think part of the issues of the past is that we've been trying to go do the whole thing, boiling the ocean. We need to go have this based on the very specific questions we want to go do. Something we did not get into, which is an interesting discussion for later on a different podcast will do this again is how do we balance this fast versus getting the knowledge, right? Because it seems like it will, it can and will interfere something. We need to go discuss for our next one. All right. How did we do good takeaways? Did great. All right. So back to you quickly one, what's your advice? Second, who should we invite next
2: for my advice? One thing that I would really recommend any data team out there to do is it can become very easy to fall into the trap of continuous optimization of a bad system instead of rethinking the existing system. And that's hard, but it requires going to the people who are using the data, asking them what their problems are, getting a really, really good understanding of their needs. And then coming up with the best solution to solve that set of problems. So that will be my advice. I hope more data teams um, start following it and really thinking like a product team that's facing a third-party customer, treating those data people, treating those data scientists and analysts and everybody else as if they were customers. Amen. Amen. Mm. Amen. Yes. Uh, in terms of uh, who to ask on next, I'm going to say uh, Chet and Sharma or Che. Uh, Che is an awesome guy, he is a a founder, he thinks about experimentation. I used to work in experimentation, and it was actually experimentation that led me to a lot of these thoughts. Because there's a really tight interplay between the source of the data, the engineers that are implementing the code, how the data is transformed into metrics, and how the business users are analyzing it. It's a really concise end-to-end view. And so he has some great perspectives on this stuff as well. Awesome!
1: Oh man, this has been an awesome conversation. As exp- I, I knew this was going to be, this is what we needed. We needed this, this fresh air. And I'm looking forward to he- hearing what everybody else is going to be saying about you, yeah. Chad. I'm going to continue being a, a Chad. Uh, I don't, Hater is not the word. It's not the word I wanted.
0: Engaged a-
1: discourse. The game, it, 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 it's it's okay. okay.
2: Haters haters are my motivators.
1: Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, before we wrap up next week, we have uh, Steve Perry, who's a director of the analytics from Genius Sports. I We're going to have a very special episode with Steve because Steve actually reached out to us as a listener and he's like, Hey, we love, love what all the guests, but I would love if you could touch some topics about kind of being young in the data space an and up and coming data leader. And we're like, we just had an awesome conversation with him we are going to just have a, a true honest no bs discussion about how to deal with the noise in this space how to deal with imposter syndromes when you're going in like who do i talk to how do i get mentors stuff like that And i mean this this i'm really excited about having a different kind of uh, conversation about data uh and we're going to be at the knowledge graph conference uh the week of may 3rd i think it is and we'll have a live session with francois sharf at the Knowledge graph conference with that Always thanks to data.world for supporting us. And thank you, Chad. Thank you so much. Thank you.